Hello everyone and welcome to episode 3 of Middle of the Row, the podcast version of it at least. Today we did not all see one particular movie because we couldn't really agree on that. So we're going to talk about our favorite video games of all time. We're going to list 10 each, probably a couple more because everyone wants to be a cheater, myself included. But before we do that, does anybody have anything exciting they want to share as we go around and introduce ourselves? Well, I know I wanted to bring up, did you guys see that um, Baby Driver? Who are you? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no one cares. I'm the girl. Uh, <laughs> like, I was just, you know, because we've already brought up Baby Driver on this podcast, so I thought you guys would be excited if you had seen that it broke 100 million at the box office. I did not know that, but I'm so and, glad. Like, I still need to Insert see the applause. movie, but I'm just super excited for Edgar Wright because he's an awesome person. So it's like three cheers for him. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> it also means he gets more money to make his next movie. Yeah. It's all that it's matters. Like, I'm still just so bummed that Scott Pilgrim didn't do well. I mean, okay, hold on. Pa- uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim was a pretty poor adaptation of the graphic novels. And we could get into Wrong. it. Uh, <laughs> Wrong. Uh, okay, we're going we're to have to talk about this okay. outside. The, I will Zach. say that the books are definitely on their own tier. And the movie kind of rushes through it. But it's like, I still enjoyed it a lot. It's It has so many great moments. You can't not like it. The first three books and the movie are basically the same. They're, it's like a perfect adaptation of the first three books. And then they had to kind of go their own yeah, way because he only had a rough stretch of things. I would say that they bring Roxy Richter in pretty damn well. And then I think the Katanagi twins fight might be my favorite part of the whole movie. And the the last I agree the the Gideon stuff was better in the books, but um, okay. I'm I'm pro adaptation doing a good job and then making their own path. Yeah, no. How however you feel about the movie, it's like I know I've mentioned this a couple times already, but it's like just I got to see it at Comic Con and like he got a standing ovation after the movie and he was like he cried on stage because he was just so happy that people enjoyed his movie. So it's like I've always wanted him to do well ever since I saw that. <laughs> so can I, I just, he, can I just say real yeah, quick that first. one of my favorite lines in any movie is when uh, Pilgrim is asked, "Do you see a future with this girl?" and he replies with. Like with jetpacks. Jetpacks. <laughs> that line. Oh god, I love that movie so much. Like bread makes you fat. <laughs> so okay. Punch my. Brain. So real quick before we get to the actual meat of the episode, um, do I think that he highlighted certain aspects about the graphic novel in a very true way, or in, in a very faithful way? Yes. Like you were mentioning the Katonami uh, or the twins fight, um, the just any of the fight scenes really. Um, even just the spirit of lightheartedness and kind of like youthful, like coming of, it just, it's a coming of age movie is what it is. And that was great. Um, but one of the things that I didn't like was, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Scott Pilgrim, the movie or read the comic books, um, skip ahead for 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, I didn't like the changing of, uh, Ramona's attachment to Gideon being this purely kind of physical thing. Um, yeah. I thought that was against the spirit of what the books are about. I thought the books well, were great because 
it showed that, yeah, Scott's working with a lot of things and has to obviously improve his character and get to be a better person. But same thing with Ramona. Like, Ramona's not just this idealistic woman who's, like, put on a pedestal that he has to improve himself for. She's working through her shit, too. And I thought it was... The, the thing that I loved about the graphic novels is that, hey, relationships aren't built out of two perfect people. They're built out of imperfect people who have so much baggage, but choose to work through that and accept each other despite that baggage. And Well, I know Zach said that... Uh... Edgar Wright isn't always the best with female characters, so that could speak to that somewhat. Fair enough. So, yeah, I, and I can't speak to that. I I just felt like it did Ramona's character a disservice to make her essentially. I don't know. I agree. I mean, I agree. That's the worst part of the movie. I I don't. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It comes out of left field. Uh, the books did it better, but the books even really, if I remember correctly, it didn't really. She went through all of her stuff off page, and then we just saw Scott freak out. But you're right; she was going through well, the book her own is thing. Scott Pilgrim, so. Well, I, under- I understand, <laughs> but but she she did go through something, even though we weren't seeing it, uh, which was a lot more than what she went through in these the 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 movie version. Um, but yeah, I'll agree. There, that is the weak point, and again, that all comes into play in the six book territory of the adaptation um which was the least amount of stuff that they knew oh that's fair too i forgot about that o'malley even wrote the was writing that book until yeah how they were i mean he told them some things but i'm pretty sure brian lee o'malley changed the ending of his book based on what the movie did and then the movie even rewrote their ending (laughs) the original ending they ended up with he ends up with knives at the end um, Man, knives should have kicked him to yeah. the curb. She was too good for him. She really was. Although that would have been actually okay. oh, the knives ending. Oh. Well, didn't in the movie she did say she was too good for him? Yeah. Oh, it's like just clarifying. <laughs> yeah. I I love that yeah. movie. So just... speaking <laughs> of movies that disappoint, I know Ben wants to talk about a certain 9/11. Oh my god. So if you haven't seen the trailer for the new 9/11 movie, um don't. It with who else in it? Ch- uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Charlie Tiger Blood Sheen. Oh god, yes. I can't believe that this movie exists. There's like a shot of the trailer that's like Inception and it's like you First off, I'm I'm kind of not okay with movies highlighting tragedies like that. Like Titanic, I get. Because that was so long ago. But hi like the Boston uh Marathon bombing movies, like the one with even I love Marky Mark. I didn't see the one with him. And I'm gonna say the same thing with nine eleven movies. I just don't feel comfortable with it. When you cast Yeah, I think it's a pit I'm sorry. Go casting on. someone who's so like risky like charlie sheen that oh god that just shows you really don't know what you're doing especially with sensitive yeah i think it just depends like i understand where you're coming from in many ways i agree with you on like time and just when it's okay to make but i think a lot of it has to do with like how the tone of your movie like there's what is it stronger coming out right now with jake gyllenhaal where they're focusing on someone who survived the bombing and it's not just like 
making a super exciting movie about the bombing itself and what all happened. Yeah. And like United 93 was a good movie for me too, because you know, it was like the heroes who took down that plane. Yeah. And I mean, it was about them banding together. And so I think there are ways to and do I, yeah, it. Yeah. And I think like in general, the disaster kind of tragedy movies, like the disdain, that's, that's just me personally. But the yeah. thing about this specific 9-11 movie is just, the trailer looks just super tasteless. I definitely say you don't want to go fantastical yeah. with 9-11. Yeah, and it, it just, like, shame on them. Shame on everyone involved with that movie. If, if it's, if it, even if it's twice as good as that trailer looks, it's gonna be awful. I'm sorry, just, I'm hoping that movie, like, if they only have one copy of it somewhere and it gets destroyed... And they're just like, oh, well, yes. whatever, I guess we'll give up on that. Can it go with all the E.T. video <laughs> games out in the desert? <laughs> no, because someone could dig it up. Oh. I So I finally, prior to this uh, recording, I said that I've been avoiding watching this trailer for so long. Um, and I'm actually now watching it with the like volume like super low. Oh, and you can tell a movie's going to be bad when it tells you who's in the movie like midway through the trailer. As opposed to like at the end, which is what trailers new like normally do, and so it's like trying to talk up like, oh no, trust me, this is gonna be good. This is who we have in it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I'm with Ben on this one. Yeah. And I haven't even listened Just to it. Also, heavy one of on one, one of my <laughs> one of my favorite jokes. Uh, do you guys know how much cocaine Charlie Sheen has snorted? Does Charlie Sheen know how much cocaine he snorted? Roughly enough to kill two and a half men. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I See, I was going really dark. I thought it was going to be something about 9-11. Oh, no. See, I'm I'm not that tasteless. I'm like... Unlike, well, I didn't know if you came up with unlike the Unlike this movie. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, we're having Let's a rough Let's judge time. the movie once we've actually seen it. You, but is anyone going to see You go ahead and do that, Zach. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steer clear of this. No, show. I'm not going to see it. In, but... in a month or two when it comes <laughs> out. Mm, anybody else? Oh. Something um, exciting to share? Um, I saw, So I actually got to see the... Um, oh, no. Exciting. Well, yeah, I guess exciting. Um, I actually got to see... Who's Streets, but I got to see it as a special premiere at the Tivoli in St. Louis, which is in the loop. Um, and it featured a short Q&A afterwards with the co-director, Damon Davis. Um, you ask any questions? I did not personally ask any questions. Um, but yeah, uh, Who's Streets is it a very important film for people to watch, especially if they kind of want um, a perspective of everything that happened in Ferguson and in St. Louis after um the mike brown shooting um from like the ground level of the activists and the uh um residents that were involved and who that affected and so just for that it's uh, a what perspective does the movie take is it pretty like just fact based or is it like like what it, like what was the point of making this movie basically um so is, that was a harsh way of asking. That no, question. no, no, for sure, for sure. No, I, no, I do get what you're saying. And actually, so someone did ask that question um, about like as an artist, like how did you like filming a documentary? How did you try to distance yourself to give like an objective like perspective on it? Yeah. And he just came out and said, uh, "I did not want to give an objective perspective on this. I want to shoot this like from my lens because I'm part of this community. I'm part of these people." Um, and so it 
it kind of highlights sort of the personal struggles and the per- or the personal like happenings of like a couple of different uh, excuse me activists uh, okay following those events. Yeah, I hadn't watched the trailer or anything for it yet, so I didn't really know anything about it. Well, and it's just interesting because they, so there's a lot of found footage and compilation of like cell phone footage, YouTube videos, and uh, news reports and stuff like that. But there's also like footage. Like, he was there when it was happening, and that was one of the things that, like, my brain kept, like, eh, kind of, like, coming back to, like, oh, but this is, this is authentic. This isn't someone, like, revisiting this, this subject or this issue to try to, like, piece together a story. This is him documenting it, like, in real time. And there's, I should have a review up, actually, uh, this week about it, if you want further thoughts. I guess. Anything exciting? Nope. Oh. <laughs> Nothing to report. <laughs> Can I? I got one more thing to add that I just I saw. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, so those to those of you who have seen the series, the season premiere of Rick and Morty, uh, there's a certain McDonald's uh, sauce, the Mulan Szechuan sauce, uh, that became kind of this meme. Uh, and I heard that. Oh, I read that McDonald's made three, I think, 64-ounce bottles of it and gave them away as kind of like this promotion. And some guy was trying to sell it. Uh, he almost got $15,000. The bidder backed out last... Jeez. Yeah, but the bidder backed out last minute, so he ended up selling it to Deadmau5, uh, the DJ. I just thought that was kind of funny. I'm just... I was, like, shopping for groceries, checking my phone, and I'm just like, that... That's a special story for that guy. <laughs> and I can't, like, I rem- I don't understand some of that. Well, I guess it's kind of like, it's kind of like a prop, more or less. Because I remember when, I don't, I guess it was Fallout, when Fallout 4 came out, they were, like, selling the um, Nuka-Cola Quantum in stores and yeah. stuff. And those things, like, you you couldn't find it in this, sh- like, literally, uh, Kyle went in one day to get one and like I'm pretty sure the people who worked at the store had already bought them all because there were none there oh. holy cow yeah and so they definitely went up in price on eBay and things the like one, that the one I loved about Fallout 4 too is some guy like made a joke he had this collection of like a thousand plus bottle caps and he's like hey Bethesda I'll buy the special edition from you and Bethesda's like yeah alright just send your chip your bottle caps in and we'll send you the special edition <laughs> That's and, awesome. he, and he did and I, I'm just like, that's that's great, like, PR, and just for Bethesda, I, I think they're such a cool company. Just good people behind it. Shout out to Bethesda, sponsorship. Woohoo! And maybe they'll make it onto the list. I'm not actually sure if they do on anyone's list, but maybe. They got so close on mine, it was painful. All right. Well, speaking of which, okay. yeah, go ahead, Zach, sorry. <laughs> Trying to steal my fucking job. No, I swear I wasn't. Uh. Uh, moving on, we're going to run through what everybody's been up to in the last week, what they've been watching, listening to, playing, meditating upon. We're going to start with John. Yeah. Great, fine. Yeah, John already started with uh, yeah. the streets. Well, oh yeah, I, I figured I'd mention it because yeah, going to the theater, especially so I think specifically that screening, there were a lot of people who were there that were also present. Um, yeah, I bet. And so it was, 
it was not your typical screening because there was a lot of, shall I say, audience interaction. And just you could see the passion and you could see the energy from this crowd and kind of, again, like caused me to like reevaluate and think, oh, this isn't like an isolated instant. Like this has affected the American landscape and is going to continue, at least for St. Louis. So uh, Who Streets was great. Uh, I saw Flatball on Netflix because one of my students suggested I watch it. Um, it was really great. I didn't, honestly, I didn't realize Ultimate Frisbee dated back so long, so it was a very interesting watch. Um, and then... What is it about? What is Flatball? I have no idea what Flatball is. So, it, yeah, so Flatball is kind of like a, uh, a colloquial term for, uh, Ultimate Frisbee as a sport or whatever, and so it's essentially about kind of, it's a very comprehensive look at Ultimate Frisbee. It's a history in America and a little bit internationally as well. Um, and it follows and interviews a bunch of like really um, legendary play- players in the sport for a while, um, and yeah. So and Alec Baldwin narrates it for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, that was kind of cool. Um, you don't know what he does in his free time. <laughs> fair enough. Good point. <laughs> um, and I also I've been starting Atypical um, because I was really interested in a show really focusing on an individual and a family uh, with a student with autism, and so far it's pretty good. I really like Kier's Gilchrist. Is that Netflix show with the guy from um, United States of America? Yes, yes. Okay. Oh, man, I love him. He's awesome. He was great in that. He was great in It Follows. I haven't seen, actually, it's a kind of a funny story, which I really should. Um, oh, is he the is he the nerdy is he the nerdy white knight dude from it he follows? Yeah, best yeah. Yes. It follows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was gross. <laughs> I, I will say yeah, don't get me started on it follows. I will say Zach, he was he's pretty good in United States of Terra. Um he he yeah, I like him in that he plays this kind of like younger sibling. Oh, oh I, yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying he was bad in the movie. I'm just saying his character was gross. Yeah. Which is a credit to the actor, because he made it gross. Yeah. Yeah, so he, like, um, yeah, he, I, I just really like him. I feel like he's, like, one of the most natural actors I've seen, and seeing his, like, interpretation or uh, depiction of a individual with autism, it hits on all the, like, stereotypical signs that, like, Zach, myself, and Ben could probably, like, point to being educators. Um, not to like exclude you or anything, Lord, but um, but it's also. It... Hey, I teach my dogs things. <laughs> Scout looks autistic for sure. <laughs> hey, that what? <laughs> Shots fired. She's she's what? just depressed. Uh, but uh, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't either. It was just a joke. He's, he's, she has this blank stare on her face all the time. She's not a lot of Dude, she's a dog. She has a sad face all the time. <laughs> so yeah, atypical. Go check it out. Let me know what you think. Okay, I know uh, Ben and I both played Telltale Batman this week. Yeah. Like, I was. Pl- I started it to get ready because I didn't realize the new Batman series or season was coming out so fast. So I kind of had to run through the first one, and I really liked it. I think Ben has two so far. Yeah, yeah, um, two episodes, and it's awesome. It definitely has. Have you noticed any weird issues? Like my game, like was really laggy a lot of the times, and 
Like this one time I was having a conversation and Bruce Wayne, his head was just like twisted around like a kindle or it was on the back of his head. Basically, he was looking backwards. So there's some really weird things like that, but it doesn't really detract from the game on the whole, I'd say. It's still a really great Telltale it's, game. It's, um... You, you you mentioned that you mentioned that, that to me before too to keep an eye out for it. And I noticed there are a few like little hiccups, um, nothing of like, you know, head turned around degree. I, I haven't seen anything like that, but I've seen like a little, um, like when a character's walking somewhere, there's a bit of a skip or, but mm -hmm. in like a couple frame rate things. Ironically, though, none of that has happened during the action. It's always during the really kind of. Uh, it was really parts. bad for me at the beginning of episode five. It's like I like because it. Ha There's an action scene. It, is it happened. It happened mainly in episode one when I was talking to one specific character, and then it mm. led up to like it led up to the big action scene of that episode, and like I knew going in, I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be. Is this gonna just be terrible? <laughs> or, but it was fine. It worked really well. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, I, and as I told you before... Where does it rank among the other Telltale games? Uh, I've only played the first Walking Dead season, so I can't say... Out of the ones I've played, it's probably the weakest. But it's still really good. I just think Guardians and Borderlands capture their universes perfectly, and the humor that those universes have is much more suitable for a Telltale game. In, in my in my opinion and I'll say uh, season 2 episode 1 is just out right now and I think it got even better than the first season really? oh mm -hmm. that's exciting good to know Lauren yep. your TV show uh, you've been watching okay in addition to well ugh I, I already went sidetracked in my mind of Iron Fist <laughs> but I just want to say um, ben warned me not to watch it, as did the entire internet, and I watched an episode a couple nights ago, mm. and I was like, oh, I hate it so much, I can't do it, but it's just the pilot, and pilots sometimes suck, so maybe I should give it another try, and I did, and it, it was just as bad. So instead, I will change to an awesome show, which is You're the Worst. I feel like between last week and this week, I'm basically, we should be sponsored by Hulu, because I keep bringing up shows that they're finally putting on. <laughs> They finally put on season three of You, you Are the Worst, because I think season four is um, going to be airing soon. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a great show if you haven't checked it out yet. Like, like the, the title is true. All the characters are awful people, but the comedy is so good that you love them anyway. And they do litter in some episodes that, like season two, I know they um, had a few episodes where one of the characters suffers from depression. And I thought, like, when they do go into things like that, or another one has PTSD, they handled those things really well. But overall, I definitely prefer the comedy. It has some amazing characters and actors in it. So I suggest everyone check that one out. I vouch for that. It's one of the better comedies out there. But it can, like Lauren said, it, it, gets, it has some gravitas to it as well at times. It's, uh, you're dealing with some messed up people and their issues and then how they kind of yeah, come together. Yeah, like, and, the last yeah. few episodes are definitely a downer. Mm -hmm. And I cannot believe how they ended the season, but I obviously won't say how. I can't remember. I'll have to refresh myself before I start the new one. Ben? Um, <clears throat> so, like Lauren said, Telltale Batman. Uh, I've only finished the first two chapters of the first season, but I do really like what I've, I've done so far, what I've played so far. Uh, I... I watched uh, the second and the third episodes of Room 104, 
and it's it's really disappointing because the first episode was so good and it's like an anthology series based on it's like an, a horror anthology all happening in this one hotel room so it's like different people staying in the room different stuff happens uh but the first episode is great the second two episodes were so boring and just not interesting <laughs> like the the twist on the 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 second episode like came out of nowhere and not in a good way uh I I will give it one more episode. I will give it episode four because episode one was so good. But if that doesn't impress me, I'm probably gonna just stop that show and incomplete. Uh, just leave it. Uh, however, the good things I saw this week, uh, the new Rick and Morty, uh, I I loved it. It's definitely not Pickle Rick status, but it's it was still really good. Um, it kind of plays up. Yeah, I love when that show mash like mashes up other things. Like they had Jurassic Park season one, yeah. and I just love. Those and and this one, this one is kind of a play off of uh, the Avengers, and it's. Um, I even I saw a title. And saw. Yeah, and saw, and I saw a title of an article uh, earlier. I forget it. I might have been Polygon or something, but it said, "the the Rick and Morty Avengers spinoff deserves its own show," and I kind of agree <laughs> with nice. it because they're just, it's so good. Um, and then to round mine out, I saw I've been watching The Sinner, which is a, a show on USA. Jessica Biel uh, stars of the, as this, you know, this mother of a young child. Seems kind of like she's okay with where she is, and then she just murders some guy on the beach for seemingly no reason. And kind of the rest of the show is Bill Pullman, this detective, trying to figure out why she really did it. Is there a reason? Is she crazy? Did she know this person? Um, that's that's where that's, I guess, heading. And I like what I've seen so far. I think it's two or three episodes in, and I really, I'm really liking it as of now. That's all I got. I so we're ready was... for video games? Oh no, sorry, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot you were there. <laughs> I was. I was not very. I think you're way overhyping that Rick and Morty episode. I thought it was pretty average at best. All right. I just I didn't love really... the end, though. Didn't... Huh? I love the end. Like, any time they bring it back to Rick and Morty and their relationship, yeah. I love how they handle it. And I, I think the, the, the villain... I thought it would have been a lot more great. interesting if he actually cared for Morty in the end, instead of it just being a long joke to be another F.U. to Morty. But you know he cares for him. So I know, but it would have been nice yeah. to have been I seen still... it. And I, under I don't understand the spin-off thing when basically the whole point of the episode was Rick proving how awful these people are and uninteresting they are. I, I, I'm not buying that spin-off. Well, they can't do it anyway because... Well, I, I, I just, just want to say people. that they, they set up um, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, but they set up the villain, uh, what was his name? Um, the big, the big guy, basically, uh, like World Ender or whatever his name was. Uh, a couple days ago, I saw this YouTube video, and it's it's the the writers and the people from Rick and Morty hyping up World Ender as this like Thanos is the Thanos and Dark Side had this this love child, and he's like even stronger and crazier. And then I love how when they get there, he's just dead, and it's you know it's. 
Rick is the the big villain. I I yeah, he did it to prove. Yeah, I loved that that little twist. Like the worst villain in the history of the series is blackout drunk Rick. <laughs> I just I just love that. <laughs> or its greatest hero. Or or its greatest hero. Yes. It depends on your perspective. Exactly. Um. I have been watching The Great British Baking Show on Netflix, and it is delightful. Um, it's a show you can kind of passively watch and then get sucked in when they do their taste tests, and those technical challenges are just fantastic to watch them try to rack their brains and figure things out. And uh, if you, it's 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 similar to Top Chef. It's a competing cooking show, but what I find really interesting is how every episode through like, especially in those technical challenges, it's interesting how everybody is looking and like waiting to see what the next person's going to do or somebody else is doing when they have no idea what they're going to doing. It creates some real interesting scenarios and it's all very, very British and delightful. But yeah, I watched season two of that on Netflix this week. My wife and I also watched sideways last night, actually. Is that your first uh, time? We on a... Nope. Oh, okay. We had been on vacation down in the area where they shot a bunch of it, so we kind of wanted to see how much of the movie was in where we were at. Oh, and, nice, nice. Uh, but it's also just a great Alexander Payne movie. Shockingly, Paul Giamatti is like 36 years old in that movie. I've never seen it, He looks it, so awful. Yeah, I didn't want to see it. Oh, it's a great, great movie. Um, but it... Uh, I'll take a look it, at it, it was, then. I mean, well, I mean, didn't it? It won awards and stuff, didn't it? Uh, it won best writing for Oscar for Alexander Payne. Uh, well, writing's the, a pretty good category. Yeah, that's, yeah. So. yeah. It's the Thomas Hayden Church and uh, Virginia Madsen were nominated for it, and Paul Giamatti should have been, and probably should have almost even won, maybe, but he didn't even get nominated. He got shafted. <laughs> uh, but sideways, great movie. Learned some stuff about wine. And uh, some really hilarious bits in there. Raising Arizona, I also have been rewatching as I've gone to sleep the last few nights. And that's the Coen Brothers' second movie with Nick Cage and Holly Hunter. It's basically like a cartoon um, brought to life. Uh, it's just an amazing movie from start to finish. And it's just all over the place. And if you've never seen it, you should because it's one of the Coen's best. And seeing that the Coen brothers don't make any movies that are sub-great <laughs> most of the time, that's pretty high praise. Yeah, I would say, like, their weakest is probably Hail Caesar, and that's still a really good movie. Hail Caesar is great and not their weakest. Uh, I would give that to the Lady Killers, most likely. Uh... And lastly, as we were driving oh, all over God. California, every time we would run out of a place where we didn't have radio or didn't feel like throwing on the iPod, we were listening to Arcade Fire's Everything Now on a Fancy Pants CD they sent us for free for buying concert tickets to them. Ooh. That was very nice of them. Uh, but I, f if I find it amazing how this, this album is already supremely underrated because apparently everybody decided, you know what? It's time to shit on stuff. everything Arcade Fire does in the press. And while I will say it, it's not their best album ever, it still has some great songs. It actually has one of my favorite songs by them ever. 
And uh, I just find it real interesting how this whole... We've seen a lot of people criticizing their weird social media marketing for it and not even really giving the album a chance in some of the reviews I read, including one that John sent to me. Uh, but, um, yeah, everything now, if you like Arcade Fire, keep listening. It's good stuff. Okay, now are we ready for video games? Okay, so we're going to go a little round table here. Um, some of us have ranked our games, some of us have not. But we're each going to list 10-ish games, one at a time. We're going to discuss them a little bit. If someone has a game on both lists, on if someone has a game that is on someone else's list, we'll talk about it the first time it comes up and not wait until they get their chance to talk about it. So we're only going to talk about each game once and go from there. So... I will start. Uh, I'm going to do a couple honorable mentions before I get to my number 10. I had Super Mario 3 because I felt it was crazy to not have a Super Mario Brother in my list. Uh, Snow Brothers, another NES classic. Snow Bubble Brothers? Ripoff. Is that like Ice Climbers related? No, it's a Bubble Bobble ripoff. Why do I not know this game? It's great. Look it up. It's a Capcom game. Uh, Skies of Arcadia, one of my favorite RPGs. One I wish they would have made more of. It was originally on Dreamcast, and they released it on GameCube as well. Uh, one of those rare games I played more than once. Especially for a game that is as long as uh, RPGs can get. I also had The Witness, which came out last year, which was an amazing puzzle game that made you think you were getting smarter as you were playing it, actually. It's some of the hardest puzzles I've ever encountered. And then I also threw Shadow Complex, uh, probably my favorite Castlevania game to ever come out. Uh, it was on Xbox 360. I believe it's been ported over now to the most updated systems and to my actual list so we can have some conversations it's Portal, and Portal. Oh 2. gosh! All right, that works. Uh, Are you the only one who has Portal on? Funny games. Am I the only one with Portal? I think so. Oh, yeah. oh. so I'll talk about it some more. Um, <coughs> just uh, the first game. I think I sat down. I just had heard about it, and I sat down and played it all the way through. Uh, when I got to the end. I, it was one of the best endings I've ever seen in a video game. And just, what the hell is happening? Why am I on this conveyor belt? Uh, and then it gets crazy as you go behind the scenes of everything. And Portal 2 kind of took things to another level with... Um, uh, what's his name? Ricky Gervais's right-hand man. Oh, Steven. Steven Merchant. Yes stars as your little companion robot guy and uh yeah just a great little puzzle game that uh i would love to play another one if they ever made it but i doubt that will ever happen okay lauren you're number 10 or the 10th film one uh, you listed. Ranked. you're not ranked so no so i'm gonna go back to mario because that's what i want to do okay uh i put 
I couldn't decide a specific Mario game necessarily for my list. I was thinking about Mario 64 because I just have, it's a great game. I love the setup and everything, but I ended up going with Super Mario Bros. slash Duck Hunt because this is one of my nostalgia picks where it's the first video game I ever played or I remember playing anyway. Like, and my whole family sat down around it. It's just an awesome platformer. Mario's awesome, even though he's definitely outranked with some of the other heroes on my list. I just, I can't not have a Mario game on my list, so that's why I got it. See, you gotta have a Mario game. And John has a Mario game. Oh, about yes, you, sorry, my bad. <laughs> um... Super Mario Brother, Super Mario World 2, excuse me, Yoshi's Island. So one of my um, one of my fondest memories is like going to like the mall with my parents and going to like some stupid department store like Sears or Famous Bar or something like that. Um, and there would be like we'd be in the kids section or whatever. And like department stores used to do this. They used to have like a designated area. Like it wasn't even in in the entertainment section sometimes it was like actually like right in the clothing section and they had a little console set up with a bunch of different games or whatever um and you could play like a a latest release or whatever and i remember for the longest time this place just only had super mario super mario world 2 and i just loved it uh i thought it was interesting i thought it was fun i thought the graphics were actually like really cool i thought the um the gameplay was engaging because there were a bunch of different things that you could do. Um, I thought the idea of, like, you didn't have a um, a health bar, but you had this one, like, screaming baby character that, like, if you left your back, like, you'd get kidnapped in ten seconds and you had to, like, save him before then. I thought that was an interesting mechanic to... Uh, to losing lives as opposed to just like, oh, every time you get hit or whatever, you like lose some health. Um, so yeah, and it re- When was this game released? Dude, 90s, I gotta say? Has, am I the only one who's it's ever Super played Nintendo Super Mario? Mario? Yeah. Yoshi's Island? It was I like. I played Yoshi's Island. I played it was Yoshi's like, Story, but not Yoshi's so Island. It was the precursor. To Yoshi's Story for the N64, and when Yoshi's Story came out, people hated it. And like, this isn't good. This isn't what we wanted. Bam, 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 bam. Um, and I don't really. I, I liked think, it. I think. It, <laughs> I think the thing that it suffered from was it. The the control scheme for the N64 made it really hard to control and uh, replicate some of the functions that that's, the original had. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um. So yeah. Oh, guys, this is, like, one of the best platformers, I feel like, of all time, legitimately. Uh, Yoshi's Island. My number one is the best platformer of all time, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> ben! Uh, at my number ten, uh, and I do have mine uh, in order, um, which, like, I got a headache trying to figure this all out. It, it physically hurt me. Uh, no- yeah, it was 5 a.m. and I hadn't put mine in order yet, so it was not happening. Num- number 10, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, one of the, if not the most beautiful game I've ever played. It's just, the visuals are stunning. Uh, its story is really kind of interesting. I, I burned through... Like, I didn't do very many side missions at first. I did everything I, I needed to to level up. 
and then I just ran through the story because I was so just kind of intrigued by it. Uh, and then I, of course, did like pretty much every side mission after that. Uh, so the story is really good, and the world itself is just amazing. And it also has giant metal dinosaurs, like that. Just yes, that, I, that's all I need. Uh, did you ever question? Did you ever play um, Enslaved Odyssey to the West? No, but I actually have a friend who told. Uh, it is like yeah, like this game made me think of that one so much, and it's a really good game. Like it, it's one that I wish more people had played. It didn't. I don't think it did that well, but it was cri- like critics liked it, and those who did play it enjoyed it. It just had a very similar look. It was post-apocalyptic. Uh, nature takes over humanity and all that stuff, and mechanical villains and all. It's very similar. I recommend it if you can. Yeah, I know it's on uh, Steam. Fr- my so friend Kyrie. If you have Steam, my friend Kyrie there. kept like telling me how awesome it was. Like right after it came out, he was playing it a lot, or it might have been after it died. The hub, the hubbub about it died down, but he. Yeah, I think he still stands by. Is it just? It's just a really solid game, and he really likes it. Yeah, it's really good. I recommend it. It's twenty five dollars on PlayStation Three. That is very expensive. I say wait for a Steam sale, or I can. I might. No, I don't know if I sell my three sixty copy. So never mind. It's all good. Okay. Um, should I keep going, or are we going to? No, you else should now? not. Okay. Okay. Just want to double check. <laughs> Number I'm nine. So excited. Coming back to me. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic, the Bioware uh, Xbox, I guess it was an Xbox Star Wars RPG, best Star Wars game I probably ever played, it it takes place well before uh, the events of the current timeline of Star Wars that's in all the movies, and it follows a similar path, except you're a Jedi from the get-go, there's there's tons of Jedi and Sith that exist in the world, and um, it was just great. It was big, long, 60-hour game where you're engulfed in Star Wars, and it's great. And the uh, robot, the assassin robot character in it is incredible. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. I feel like Knights of the Republic, they, they don't need to retell the story of these games, the two games that they made. Well, they made two games for Xbox, and then there's the ongoing uh, massive multiplayer online RPG that I've never played. Uh, sadly, I probably would love it, but I don't invest in a PC enough to... good enough to play it. So I'll probably never know. But um, this is a ripe world for them to adapt from for future Star Wars movies, and I hope they do it. And that would be great. Lauren... Uh, I will go with my... I went uh, in timeline order, so I'll just go with the next game that came out for me. Um, And I already forgot... Oh, yeah. Pokemon Blue. It's another nostalgia pick. I was obsessed with Pokemon growing up. I played... Like, I got a bunch of cards. I still have them. They're on my shelf downstairs. Um, I would make my sister... Like, I had nightmares. Long story short, I slept in my sister's room. And she would have to get up with me at 6 a.m. to watch the show on Saturdays. And she hated it, but I loved it. <laughs> and it's like, just, I had to put Pokemon on there. It's, it played up my love for animals. And it was, it's kind of a turn-based RPG, but, like, back when I was willing to play them, I don't so much now. But it's like, it was also just like, ugh, 
Man, I loved it. I, I loved the game so much and the world so much that I seriously went to the mall. There was an event where if you went to the mall, you could get a Mew in your game. And I was like, I had to... Ugh, this is when my uh, achievement whoring, I think, started. The completionist in me had to get them all. I got, him, I got Mew and then Matthew up the street. He somehow erased it off my game and I've never forgiven you, Matthew. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my number two. I, think I I got I got them all too. I think it's the only Pokemon game I I got everything as well. I don't know if I got the one of the legendaries that you go get or whatever it is towards the end because I didn't understand the importance of the Master Ball. I think I wasted it on someone. So it's like yeah, I admit, that's my I one think, regret about. I that think game. I had to restart because I used a Master Ball on like a Growlithe or something. It's not a smart move. Yeah. Can anyone elaborate? Was there any significant difference between the blue and red version? Just a few different Pokemon. Uh, just different Pokemon. Because I saw a meme on Facebook recently where it was just like, um, it was Morpheus at the beginning of the Matrix saying like, <laughs> you take the red version and you go back to sleep and life continues or whatever. Or you follow me down the rabbit hole and you take the blue version or something like that. I'm just like, were they really that much different? Um... Uh, no, not too different. And then Yellow came out. It was kind of just like a better version of the same game, but you also had Pikachu following you around, yeah. so it was that much. Yeah, better. like followed, yeah. it followed the anime a little bit because you had you fought the Team Rocket from the anime too in Yellow. Yeah. So sorry. Okay. Um, where am I at? You're number nine. Um. Oh, why is this at nine? Sorry, I gotta rearrange. Um. I'm going to say Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Um, yeah, just a solid game. Um, really simple gameplay, um, but very completionist heavy. So, like, you were, like, there was always something for you to try to accomplish or do or score to beat or whatever, or, like, a trick that you wanted to match or, or master, excuse me, with different skaters, um, or a, a deck that you were trying to unlock. Um... And the soundtrack was phenomenal. Tony uh, Hawk. Tony <laughs> I think Hawk. the only game that might beat it uh, soundtrack-wise is Crazy Taxi. Crazy Taxi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I forgot Crazy Taxi was a thing. I know. I remembered uh, that game as we were talking. It's like, oh, maybe I, that would be on my I, list. I will just say oh, my number sorry. one I has my favorite soundtrack of all time. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I think... I don't, I'm pretty sure I know, like, uh, four Goldfinger songs, but I really just need one Goldfinger song, and it went, <laughs> like, everyone, when they hear that, like, that chord, like, progression, like, they just immediately, like, become a ska fan, and, like, Circle starts up, you start skanking, and it's awesome. So, yeah, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I also had Tony Hawk on my list, um, the series. I would say Tony Hawk 4 is probably one of my favorite games. If I had to pick one, that would be it. Um, it was just... It was an open-world game, kind of... when there wasn't... I mean, it wasn't, cause I guess, because there was levels, but each level had so many different things and people you could talk to in different ways to challenge. It, it was the apex of the game. And, yeah, I played... Uh, it was great to play multiplayer, playing people in a horse. I would uh, kick the shit out of some of my friends. And Wait, people were on horses? No, you played horse. Like you'd you'd have to try to beat each other's score, and oh, you got an eight. Okay, spell out yeah, that horse. went over my yeah. head when you said it. Um, in college, 
I don't drink, but my friends did, and a way they would get drunk in pregame before going out <laughs> is we would play drinking Tony Hawk, and we would play horse, and every time they lost, they'd have to drink, and I'd usually kick the shit out of them, so they would <laughs> get pretty drunk. Um, but yeah, I love me some Tony Hawk. Did either of you play the skate games at all? I played the... F- I know it's completely different. Yeah, it, it, I, I enjoyed it. I wish... I never had time to play more. But it was definitely much more, um, like, technically oriented. Like, you had to yeah. really learn to do certain moves on your... Um, with the thumbsticks and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think that would be more frustrating for me instead of how fun Tony Hawk yeah. was. Ben? Uh, my number nine is Gauntlet dark legacy if you played gauntlet on the playstation 4 that is a far cry from what dark legacy was the first time i played uh dark legacy was actually at um was at a mini golf course because they had an arcade uh and then i i bought it on ps2 and then i rebought it on the gamecube i i poured in so much time into that game um uh, the classes, there's a bunch of different classes, like, you know, you have your warrior, who's kind of big guy with an axe, the paladin, was he a paladin or a knight? It's been so long, but he was really cool. Sorceress, wizards, you had the dwarf, um, and, you know, there were different colors for each of them, so if all four of you wanted to play, it's a four-player dungeon crawler, and if all four of you wanted to play the same class, you know, there'd be a yellow dwarf, red dwarf, blue dwarf, and a uh, green dwarf. Um, and that, that game, uh, a friend of mine, uh, he hates it because we played so much of it. He can't, he can't stand it anymore. I'm on the other end of it. I can always play more of it. Um, and we, we, we felt pretty cool about ourselves because we could get, we would basically have a third controller, get one character, start brand new. We could get him to the level cap within a day. We just would just go to this the spider queen boss and just crush it um and then that that character would just be kind of sitting in the corner hiding um it was god i love that game uh that's that's my number nine uh my number eight to start us down this road it would be fez it came out a couple years ago it's like a 3D, 2D side-scrolling, rotate-the-level platformer. Um, some of the there's like it's, the game has its own language that's influenced by Tetris. Uh, it's a crazy, awesome, awesome, amazingly fun and frustrating game, in the good way. Frustrating. Uh, I wish they would make a second one, but the creator of that game is got tons and tons of crap from fans and death threats and he was uh he was featured in that indie game the movie uh documentary that came out a few years ago which actually is pretty interesting uh but i'm i'm gonna forever be bummed we'll never get a fez sequel because fans in quotation marks were so awful and they treated this guy like garbage so yeah, sad. That's terrible. I didn't that. I remember watching the trailer to indie game and being like, "Oh, I definitely need to see this," and then I just never got a chance to or whatever. But even seeing some of the scenes of him in there, you're just like, you can see the visible frustration that he's having. Um, and, and it's not like he's like the nicest. He's not like some super nice 
guy who's I mean he 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 definitely pushes back towards people but he also didn't desert I mean nobody should be treated the way he was he was treated in the fallout of all that stuff so isn't just a quick question before I move on is is isn't that the guy from Fez isn't he on our Facebook the middle of the road Facebook uh, yeah wall the little, the little, the little white, white dude with the red he, Fez mm -hmm. <laughs> okay because I thought that was him okay cool uh, Lauren. Um, I am at the last of my nostalgia picks, which is The Legend <laughs> of Zelda, Arena of Time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, just that noise. It has to make you happy. For a second, I was like, but, whose um, phone is going? Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, it was, I had that I know, queued I, up for like the past <laughs> hour. <laughs> but it's like, uh, it's a nostalgia, it's it's a great game too, so I don't need to. I shouldn't have it's to. It's not a nostalgia pick. It's a nostalgia it's, pick. But I mean, I feel like it is. I say that because it's been so long since I've played them. I do have it on my um, the 3DS, so I do actually need to replay it. But it's just the reason I say it's a nostalgia pick is because it's the first time I remember, like, feeling like a hero playing a game. Like you go on this journey as Link, and it's just epic. And it was like a huge world was built around you in Hyrule where it just I just love the mythology of that world and how it's built it opened my eyes to what video games could be when I was little and it's just yeah it's a great game and I know someone else had it on their list was it uh, John? Yeah but I want Zach to talk about Breath of the Wild first okay oh no you didn't have no, uh, none of it we all had three different Zelda games Okay, well, we should all talk about them now. Okay. Zach, can you, t can you talk about Breath of the Wild first? And I do this intentionally. Like, I I've got a point to this, so. Uh, Breath of the Wild is the best game I've played this year, and maybe the last ten years, probably. Um, I think it's an amazing, incredible game that you can't... There's endless things to do in it, you can go anywhere, you can do anything, there's always something new to learn or discover, or I, I, I've put, uh, I put countless hours, I put, I need to use past tense, because I lost my save when I got my Switch fix recently, um, so, but I'm super excited to start over from scratch and dive back into that game and uh, tackle it with the knowledge of, that I have now, uh, even though the experience of discovery of figuring everything out as you go along through that game was uh one of the more amazing things i've ever experienced playing a video game uh, i have it listed as my number four game of all time on my list and um it's a game i'll continue to go back to time and time again does it does it have too many fetch quests? Because I remember that was my problem with the last game, there, that and just how the Wii nunchuck things never worked. Well, but. I mean, if there's a quest you don't you get that says go somewhere, it's you just stop. You don't have to do anything about it. <laughs> you can just there's literally so much to do. You will just be like, eh, I don't need to do that. It's not the end of the world. And um, but I wouldn't call this quest to be fetchy necessarily. Uh, <laughs> Stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> it's um, it's great. It's an amazing, amazing piece of video gaming. So John's gonna tell me why I'm wrong now. 
Though I'm not gonna tell you why you're wrong. I, um, no, I could. <laughs> ben can't tell um, me I'm wrong because he's only played the game for a couple hours. So. Yeah, and I got super bored. So, um, I think the reasons why I, I I can I hear what you're saying, Zach. Um, and the reasons why you're saying it's so good are the same reasons why uh, Aaron from Game Grubs prefers it to any of the other Zelda's. Shout out sponsor. Um, <laughs> But uh, I think one of the things that I struggle with uh, games that are super open-ended and super kind of exploratory in the world um, is I, I like doing that when there's at the same time like a strong connection to the main character or like sort of um, the story as relates to the character growth or progression of the main character. And I guess that's why I don't. I'm not attracted to games like uh, the Fallout series or the or the Oblivion series or the the Elder Scrolls series. Oblivion. Um, yeah, fair enough. Um, or like Skyrim or essentially Breath of the Wild, which I uh, jovially title uh, Zelda Skyrim Edition or whatever, um, or Skyrim Zelda Edition, uh, whichever way you look at it, because like I don't. I don't get a strong sense of, like, the main character um, and, like, the character progression and growth that they undergo um, versus, I think, with my... I think what I, I realized recently my favorite Zelda is Majora's Mask because I think it balances both of those. So, yeah, Ocarina of Time was pretty super linear and had a... Like a great exploratory sense, Breath of the Wild really expanded on that. But um, Majora's Mask had also like this solid storyline and this solid like progression that you had to like follow. Um, but then also gave you so much space to do side quests and explore side quests, and also motivated you to do side quests. You had this list of masks that you wanted to get. Um, Weren't there like thirty? How many were there? 30, yeah, something like that. Um, Quick 35 question. or, I don't know, yeah. Majora's Mask, that's the one with the moon, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I think that also, that did a great job at building the world because there was this direct threat that was always present that you could visibly see from nearly everywhere. And as you interacted with the characters, their sort of attitudes or their sort of, like, speech changed and varied depending on how close the moon was to the world. Um, and even just, and I thought that was just in terms of building a world, not just environments, but characters and communities, etc. I thought that was really uh, unique at the time. And even just like the sense of like Link too, like you open up with Link and he's trying to find Navi. Like Navi kind of just like conspicuously floats away at the end of Ocarina of Time for God knows what reason. And now Link's this like, youngish kid and he's just like okay I can never go back to like the adult link that I used to be I have to go on living my life but where's this like creature that was with me for so long and it, it adds like an emotional depth there and then he gets turned into a Deku scrub and you're like oh my god what the fuck am I gonna do and it was just <laughs> like there's there was so much depth to I to that game that I think doesn't get credited enough and it was just Totally one of the most interesting games I played. Like, it was also super creepy at times. Um, oh, yeah, it definitely was. Zelda can get creepy. Like, ugh, 
I didn't mention it when I was talking about Ocarina of Time, but that was one of the earliest scares for me too, uh, with the zombie guys who like latch onto your face when you're down in like a crypt or somewhere. I don't remember exactly, but ugh, yeah, I had nightmares. Well, and even like even the fact that someone could turn Majora's Mask into a creepy pasta. <laughs> like yeah. that effectively like i was like it wasn't a jump for me like it wasn't like someone took something completely innocuous and made it creepy all of a sudden it was just like no this game was already pretty terrifying and now i'm gonna be sleeping with the light on for the rest of my adult life so good job yeah. now if only we could get zeldas to stop having water temples then it would just be <laughs> no water temple in breath of the wild oh I'll have to try it out someday if I ever get that system. <laughs> so yeah, those are my thoughts on the Zelda series and why I think Majora's Mask is the perfect bridge between the one extreme with Breath of the Wild and the other extreme with like Ocarina of Time. Yeah, and I'll be playing that one again soon because it's also re-released on the 3DS. So nice. I'm excited to play both of them. Ben? Uh, my number eight... God, man, I hate making this list. It makes me so sad. I to move so many. Um, Bioshock Infinite. Now, don't sound so sad about games and then mention an awesome yeah, it's game. Just, it's like there are so many awesome games that I want to be on this list. But I will say that the ones on this list, they do belong here. They definitely belong here. Uh, Bioshock Infinite... I had very high expectations for that game, like crazy high. Like this is this isn't fair to have this ex high, these high expectations, and Infinite just kind of blew all of them out of the water. Uh, making like making Rapture in the first Bioshock, the underwater world, creepy. That's easy because it's dark. It's surrounded by water. It's just creepy. The splicers were horrifying. Bioshock Infinite is pretty creepy, despite being in the sky, where everything's, like, bright and sunny. And then it's like, oh, look, there's a guy with a flamethrower on his back. Oh, look, there's a guy <laughs> who is, has his heart inside of, like, a robo-body and punches you. It's like, oh, look, you know, you just made a bunch of crows eat somebody. It's like, that... That's pretty creepy in itself. Um... Uh, Songbird is also the yeah. The story itself um, is amazing. Songbird even better than Big Daddies, and Big Daddies are an like like if I had a list of top ten video game villains, Bioshock would have multiple things on it. They'd have Big Daddies and then right in front of. Uh, but is Big Daddy a villain? Okay, enemies, and then right in front of it, Songbird. <laughs> Songbird is. Whenever I heard that that whistle, that just freaked me out. Um, and the final battle, uh, spoiler alert, um, when you're using him to decimate ranks of these guys, you're just like, go kill this area, and it just, it does it so well. And you're like, this is this is what I've been running from. Uh, and the very ending, the way the game ends is just brilliant. Uh, like, the twist in Bioshock, the first Bioshock, is huge. Bioshock Infinite is even, like, that... Like, I had to sit down and take a minute. Like, I very rarely need to pause Oh, yeah, a game. it was confusing at first. Well, no, not, not that I had to figure it out. 
I had to like well, I did. I'm I, not as smart I just as you. I just had to accept it. Like I had to before the very end I had to put my controller down, get up, walk outside <laughs> for a few minutes, take some deep breaths, and then come back in. Uh huh. that yeah, so that's that's a game that I I hope another Bioshock happens. I would be amazed if it's if it's better than Infinite. Although I was, I would have been like years ago if you'd asked me, do you think Infinite will be better than the original? I would have said there's no way in hell. So, yeah. Uh, what? Where are you on the fence of the second one? Because I know that one is like very hate or love for people. I think people hate it because it's not the same quality as one or Infinite. It's a good game. It is not an amazing game. And I think part yeah, I only played the first. I think so. I think part of it is they did the multiplayer, so they didn't polish or add to the the main game as much as they could have. Not that it was super unpolished, but I think if they had taken that time that they made this half-assed multiplayer and put it into the campaign, Bioshock Two would be up there with Bioshock and Infinite. It would be that good. And what was the big daddy of that game or song? Big wasn't sisters. It, it was, it was sisters. different, wasn't it? Again, Big they would be on this list right behind Big Daddies. Um, they were like little sisters all grown up wearing like Big Daddy gear, but they could flip around and use plasmids. They were, oh, yeah, cool. they were pretty scary. Um, yeah, it's like, what's the one thing about Big Daddies that like make them somewhat manageable? Well, they're slow and they're big, so <laughs> whatever. Oh, sword. let's make them ninjas <laughs> then. Whoa, yeah. fuck it all. Yeah. It's like when zombies start well, so to run. Oh, they no. Did, they did a so in Bioshock Infinite, they had an add-on where you were in Rapture, and you still had your Skyhook. And I was thinking, well, this is easy. Then I can just stay on the Skyhook and avoid them. But so the big daddy, you know, they have that drill. They could, uh, they could shoot it at you to pull you off, <laughs> and then just beat you to death. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's not cool. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, Bioshock Infinite's my number eight, for sure. Uh, Zach, where are we at? Seven. Seven. What do we, what do we got, man? Rock Band. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I played. Rock Band 2 got the most play from me uh, out of any of them, but I still have Rock Band 4. They ported over all your old songs onto... If you owned them, they've done a great job. Like, the, the, the insane amount of songs I've purchased over the years, I still have 95% of them that they've been able to make available to you, including all the disc songs and everything. So right now, if I have a... You know, I have over a thousand songs to choose from if if and when I play it by myself. And we've managed to have a couple rock band parties a year with some friends, and it's a lot of fun. Um, I know some people think the Plastic Instrument songs games were played out at some point, but I never stopped playing. I love me my rock band. Tons of fun. Can you, uh, can you speak to how do you feel about when they went to actual instruments? What do you mean? Oh, with like the pro controllers? I never yeah. bought a pro controller. Okay. I, sure. I did the piano thing for three, um, and it was challenging. I mean, if you it 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 was, and the drums is what I like playing the most. But apartment life keeps me playing not playing the drums as much as I would like. Um, but the the drums, if you play the the pro are the uh, expert drums, every note on the chart is in the game. So you're playing the actual drum part, technically, um, on the 
the five buttons that you have at your disposal. What uh? And then are you are you a rock band apologist or uh, loyalist? Like, what? How do you differentiate between rock band and guitar hero? Um, rock band was always better, had a better soundtrack. Um, and was more group friendly. I don't think the rock, the the Guitar Hero band version, whatever that one, World Tour, uh, just it was never as good. Uh, Some of us didn't have enough friends for rock yeah. band. So. <laughs> um, and um, once once harmonics made, you could tell Guitar Hero three. There was a drop off from one and two, which was made by harmonics, who went on to make Rock Band. Um, so, uh, you could. I think once Activision kind of took over, the game didn't quite feel as tight or as well done as the Harmonix music games did. And uh, yeah, me and three friends, our claim to fame, we had, um, I think on Buddy Holly, we ranked in the top 70. We had one of the top 70 songs. Holy cow! in the world at one point on that so sweet brag hashtag sweet brag that was our claim to fame <laughs> assassin's creed uh my next piss what don't ruin it for me that was my moment i didn't i didn't hear what it was so go ahead it was um assassin's creed 2 honestly i can't remember if that's my favorite game because it's been so long and there's been so much in the series it was either assassin's creed 2 or brotherhood but it was definitely in the uh etzio world but it's like i've just i've loved this series it's i'm very much with everyone who complains about how it's become call of duty where it was like a game every year that got a little bit much especially if they didn't like improve on it but it's like back when this game first came out it was is so amazing like assassin's creed uh two built on one because a problem with that game was that a lot of the missions were super repetitive and two just like it, it took notes from people and just made what the game should have been the first time around, you know? Um, and like this, this game came out like the perfect time for me because it came out when I was in college and I was studying art history. So it's like to learn about all these things. And then obviously I'm not seeing them in the real world, but to see them in that world, it's like, I recognize that building and I know that building. It just, <laughs> it was just a cool way to introduce like, education into a game <laughs> oh no for like, sure i would sit there and read stuff it's like i want to know about this building tell me more and like they'd bring in characters from the real world it just it was a fun way to make things like recognizable but still really like fantastical like uh leonardo da vinci or something it's like my biggest complaint ugh, one thing i hate about the series too is like they eventually got rid of desmond which was the biggest mistake for me because he was like, he was the guy that tied it into the current timeline of the story. Like he was the character that you would go back into his memory because it was his relative. Wait, they got that, rid of him. Um, oh yeah, they did. It was stupid. I'm just going to go ahead and say that was I can't the remember which I game. It might've like. been the last one of the Ezio ones. I can't remember, but, um, no, Ezio had his own had like it. trilogy within the trilogy. Yeah, he did. It was, uh, <laughs> it was two, Assassin's Creed, two Brotherhood, Brotherhood and Revelations. And Revelations yeah. Yeah. So it's like just it, plus the gameplay is just so great. They, they always built on the fighting style, which it like, they got it down really well after a while, just countering and using different weapons while you're fighting and taking on multiple guys at once. And like, it's just a smooth game and the free running 
Like just going from one end of the city to the other, staying on rooftops was so much fun. So it's like, yeah, these this series has problems now, but it's like, I'm still gonna get the next game because I love it. So yeah, that's my spiel on Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I will say, I, uh, I played Brotherhood, um, and, and just the concept of the the series itself, I think they did the best. They're probably one of the best at like recreating a world. Well, not not just creating a world, but then also like the level of detail and attention they they pick to like recreate these ancient cities and civilizations or whatever. Like, it's just crazy. Um, and like you said, the educational aspect. Like, I think when the third one came out, which was set during Revolutionary War times, you'd get the screen caps or whatever of like people who are just like that moment when you realize you can finally play video games in class for like educational purposes or whatever oh my god it just going off of what you said it reminded me didn't the news use a screen cap from assassin's creed at one point yeah they did thinking it was a real yeah film. <laughs> so, like, oh, that's so great yeah like i mean i think the fact that there's that these are the type this is like not the standard but this is like one type of video game that's been made really popular in the most recent past i think that's I think that's really cool and very special. Yeah, and anytime I get to go all Schmidt from New Girls and just yell parkour, <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> like, nice. Who's next? John. Um, God, Zach, you sound so excited. <laughs> Star Fox 64. I'm going to keep this brief because this game is just, like, the best game ever. Um, I think, I think it was a full, like... Five years? Okay, it wasn't that long. It was a good, it was a good amount of time before I realized. Wait, you can play this game multiple times. Like, and I was just like, I did it, like stupid me didn't realize like, oh yeah, you can go through the solar system in different paths or whatever. You just have to figure out how to do that. And I thought that was really cool. Because um, again, it adds a replayability factor to a game that's already super fun. You're just flying around shooting shit. Like, what's not to love about that? Um, yeah, this is de that's definitely one of the games that I've played the most out of any other games. Just repeat plays. Yeah, but I think also they, um, the characters-wise, like, this series did a really good job on characters. Like, whether it's your, like, um, Standard 4 with Peppy, the wizened old Sage, or um, Slippy, the, the nincompoop that's always getting into trouble and then falca falcon who's like the wise guy and then you've got like the side characters too like you got star wolf team and then you've got like um cat <laughs> cat cat's the best um and then bill oh my gosh and you just have these people that come out of nowhere for like one-offs and you're just like uh this game's great star fox is the best That was, that was my eight. But we're on seven. I don't know how that happened. But... Well, oh, it happened because... Oh, Zelda. yeah. It happened because I already mentioned Zelda, too. Oh, so you didn't go for eight. I gotcha. Yeah. Um... <laughs> uh, ben? Or is it Ben or Zach? Ben. Oh, okay. Um... Resistance to... Yeah, Resistance to... Uh... So, if you guys know Insomniac Games, they make the the, Ra the Ratchet and Clank series, which is kind of like Crash Bandicoot, but with really weird weapons. Resistance 2 is 
like Call of Duty, but like a good story, and the weapons are incredible. Uh, one of my favorite guns in any video game is from the Resistance series. It's called the Bullseye, where normally it's just a submachine gun, so it's fairly accurate, close to mid-range. And then it's secondary, you shoot a bullet uh, that tags a target, and now all your primary bullets just follow it. So I'd love just tagging somebody, having them go behind a corner, and then just watching like 40 SMG bullets just go around a corner and kill it. Um, there are some other great ones too. Um, the Chimera are the enemies in that game, and they're it's basically like this human, the these this alien virus that comes from the Tunguska event, and then they start turning people into these monstrous-looking versions of themselves. Uh, and then there are ones that are made from multiple people bodies, uh, so they're really creepy. Um, and you're just this American soldier who for some reason is immune to the virus, so you get, well, you think you're immune. Uh, in the beginning of the game you find out you're starting to change, but you, so you have like superhuman strength, which explain, and, and abilities, which explains like your health regen and all that. Uh, it's just a really interesting blend of kind of like World War II era weapons and like crazy alien guns. Uh, and it has a cooperative multiplayer that if anyone here has played Destiny, I mean, I know Zach spent a good chunk of time in it. Uh, Lauren, you played a little bit. Uh, the Strikes. Mm -hmm. Resistance 2 basically had strikes like that before they were quote-unquote cool. Uh, and I always think about that co-op multiplayer, and I loved it so much. Uh, that's So that's my number seven. My number six was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. So we're going to move on to Lauren's uh, next one. Uh, my next one is Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. I have a lot of twos on this list, like second sequels, or first sequel. But um, it's just, like, not, I had nothing wrong with the first game. I love the first Uncharted, just two was just that much better. It's like, um, I can't, oh God, I need to replay them because I love how games, like, they have re-releases because there's so many games I need to revisit, and this one's at the top of my list of games I need to revisit. Um but I guess the best part about Uncharted 2, other than the adventuring, and it's another game where scaling walls is all important, but I just, like, uh, Nathan Drake is just one of my favorite game characters. He's hilarious, he's adventurous, he has no qualms with shooting people, he doesn't seem to be worried about that at all. He shoots a lot of people in these games. But it's I, he's just a great character, and um, the series, I know, like, some of you guys will agree with me, it's kind of dipped. Yeah. But it's still... This is definitely the highlight Disagree. of the series. I love the game. I said kind of. I'm not saying it's bad now. Zach, <laughs> out of curiosity, what's, what's your favorite? I think three is probably my favorite. Um, and I really enjoyed four, the most recent one. I think two has the best set pieces. Like, the I, like I'll always talk, bring up Uncharted 2 for the intro, where you, like you wake up as Nathan Drake on a like a train that's dangling off a ledge and then later in the game you have to fight through a skyscraper that's falling down it's like it's just it's great and when you get to, I, I know you get to the top of it it's another world where it's just you get to look out all around the city it's just a beautifully made game so did yeah, you ever like, i did, did you ever play the multiplayer for that uh no um, 
I like I'm not a big multiplayer person because a lot of the t- I don't like playing with strangers. I will say that it, it has an it had an amazing multiplayer. They didn't bring it over with the remaster though. So. Oh. Yep, that's my next one. So, John. Yes. Oh, did no? I already won. Did someone else have Uncharted though? Did someone else need to talk? Nope. Okay, move on then. Uh, who who we at? You're on heavy rain, John. Oh, heavy rain. Yeah, we're going we're going up the. Oh, list. okay, my bad, my bad. Um, heavy rain. Um, I guess I never played. What was it? Indigo Prophecy. Was that their first one? Uh, it's a good game. I never played it, so I wasn't used to kind of like a game that was based on mostly like quick time events, sort of. Um, but I just found like that to be like the game that really really jump-started more of, I guess, immersive storytelling or uh, um, immersive gaming experiences. Um, great story. Still a little bit of flexibility in terms of, like, how your story can, like, turn out. But just, I don't know. Yeah, I remember my friend in college um, bought this game and had it in his dorm room. was like, dude, I need you to play the introduction to this game. I was like, okay, and immediate, like immediately afterwards, and I don't want to spoil it, but I was just like, that just happened. Like that was like, that was brutal. And oh yeah, there are a lot of moments like that in that game. Like it was, it was disturbing sometimes. Oh, stressful. Oh, <laughs> super stressful. And there were times when you were just like. Like, okay, this is what this game is turning into. Like, when you're fighting, like, the doctor or, like, the junkyard guy, which was potentially racist. I don't know. Um, But everything else about that game was, I don't know, really cool. From, like, the major twist uh, as to, like, uh, who the murderer is to the mini twist with the detective at the end and you're like oh shoot like i would have chosen completely differently if i hadn't like whatever um (laughs) yeah so it's yeah it's a good like it's a game that i would probably give to like some of my friends who aren't gamers and be like play this you're gonna enjoy it like play this with your wife or play this with your significant other because both the player and the person watching will get just as much enjoyment out of it. What was... Has that... Um, who, what is the next game that Studio's coming out with? Or the developer? Didn't they make oh, the Ellen Page one? No. Uh, yes. Oh, they, yeah, they no, that. they did. I yeah. I need to play They did. Uh, it got panned. It got ripped apart, even though it had Ellen Page and well, Willem Dafoe. Well, because Ellen Page was better in... The Last, <laughs> the last of Us. The Last of Us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Which I don't want to take away from the actual voice actress in that game. Ashley, yeah, Ashley. Oh shoot, I don't know her name. She. I can't remember. She's she's in that TV show with all the tattoos. Blind spot. Yeah. Oh, is she really? I'm like, man, she sounds familiar. And then I Google it. I'm like, holy crap, that's. She. She. Yeah, she does a lot of voice acting too. Um, she was. It's like she I- was Gretel in Recess, guys. Oh, that's right. Um. Really. Yeah. <laughs> but Detroit, the next one that they're doing is Detroit, and I'm super excited for that because that one was, that one they had no plans to make, and then they did that PS4 like tech demo or PS3 tech demo, that was super like emotional as well, and people were like we want this to be a game, and they were like no, and then they're like yeah okay fine. Um, did they did they do um, 
uh, what is it, the horror one? Until they Dawn? Did not, they did that too. A different, a different, uh, So they're just writing off the coattails. Okay. Yeah, but Until Dawn also... <laughs> I loved Until yeah, Dawn. Yeah, was really good. Anyways, yeah. I still need to play that one, so no spoilers. I, like, again, any kind of immersive storytelling game you should play regardless of whether or not you're a gamer, but Heavy Rain kind of kicked it off, so I, I would say start there. Okay. Ashley Johnson, that was the name. Did we ever say it? Ashley Johnson, yeah. Okay. Ben, you're going to close <laughs> out this episode, which has gone on way too long, with your number six pick, and we will pick up on the top five in two weeks when nothing is coming out in the movie theaters. Two weeks? Yep. That works for me. Uh, I stayed up until five for nothing. <laughs> my my number six is God of War three. Uh, I mean, like like uh, Lauren was saying about you know learning about history with Assassin's Creed two. I wanted to learn about everything I killed, which was basically <laughs> yeah. every single Greek myth ever. Um. And uh, I think if you if you can play the opening of God of War three, not knowing what's about to happen, you go in and you play it, you see it, and you are not like amazed. You're not you're not looking in the right area for games because this is that is probably the best game opening of all time. It sets up the stakes. It gives you these this huge scale. Um, and it also just kind of highlights how ridiculous Kratos, one of my favorite video game characters, really is. I mean, he's he's definitely one note. I'm angry, so I'm gonna kill everyone. But he does it so good. He just runs around and uh, there's. I was talking. Actually, my brother asked me about it because uh, we were we were. I was talking to him about this list too, and he said, "Don't you fight Hercules at one point?" And I said, "Yeah, you do." You fight everyone. <laughs> and it's like, Hercules is that kind of like, oh, he's the strongest, and then Kratos just beats the shit out of him. Um, and it's, oh, I love that game. Uh, the bosses are amazing. Uh, aside from the opening boss, I would say you fight Kronos, and that's probably one of... Oh, yeah, that's great. That Yeah, that is one of the most, like, ridiculous boss fights in, in any game. It's just... The scale For those of it, who don't the, know, Kronos is a titan. So yeah, those, so, those guys yeah, are huge. <laughs> yeah, um, kind of. Yeah, and the way you, the way you conceive of like, there's no way Kratos can conceivably kill him. But the way you do, you get it done is amazing. Uh, and he, I always remember he tries to like pinch you in between his thumb <laughs> and his his finger. And you're just like smashing oh as fast as you can, just like Jesus, please don't and you you push him away. You're just this tiny ant and you're that strong. Uh it's just such a ridiculous game and I love it. Um, yeah, I just wanna jump on your back and say, get this it's on my list as well. It's like this game it's renowned for the scale. Like you'll be in the beginning of a level and you can see to the end of it just because of how well the level design is done and the depth of these worlds. Like, it's just a beautiful design game, and I love mythology so much, just like Assassin's Creed. It was just playing on that geek, geeky side of me. But it's like, yeah, it's this is just the pinnacle of the series. To be honest, the first God of War is the only reason I ever got interested in uh, Greek mythology, which oh, yeah. I, know, I know a lot about now. 
But it was just like the what's this this thing I just ripped the head off of, or what's this thing I ripped the <laughs> yeah. eye out of? It's like oh, that's a cyclops. I didn't. Yeah, know they and were, you just come across like, cool. things from mythology, like what I can't remember the guy's name, but he was like tied to a rock. You just oh, like come Prometheus. across his body at one point. Oh. Yes, thank you. Oh. <laughs> but it's just so many was... things that you come across, and they integrate into this game so well. I I still remember though, like when I saw Prometheus, I was like, "There's no they they had to have like." Because I know there are some things they embellish, there's no way that's legit how it happened. So I googled it, and it's like, oh, that's exactly what happened well, with Prometheus. It's oh, not exactly oh. how it happened, because it's, it's mythology. <laughs> well, okay, exactly. Like how the myth, yeah, for how the myth says, it's like, you know, he's tied to that, that rock, and the, the, thing, the eagle eats his liver every day, or whatever. Yeah. Like, Oh god, that game is so gnarly. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's so good. Again, and it's cool to see the medium of video games tackle things, whether it's um, like world history or American history or like we said, like Greek mythology. It's it's cool to be able to see them tackle subjects like that and make it interesting and make it lively and make it engaging. Yeah, and if like if you just see this game from the surface, it's just a button masher basically where you're killing people left and right. But there's just so much more to it. Like, I can't talk on that enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, fun, fun fact, though, Rip Torn uh, plays Hephaestus, and I remember being like, huh, wasn't he Zeus in, like, the Disney Hercules movie? So I just, I always think how it's like he went from child-friendly <laughs> Zeus to, oh my god, Hephaestus. Uh, nice. Yeah. Okay, that's gonna do it for us. We're getting like an hour and a half of content for you today. We, yeah, we're going to finish. We will do our top five in a couple weeks. I looked ahead. There's nothing major coming out. Next week, we will probably review, I would pick Logan Lucky or the the Hitman's Bodyguard um, are the two options. So with that, Come back in two weeks if you want to hear us talk video games, or come on back next week for another movie review a la Episode 2, Dark Tower. The Phantom Minutes. Hopefully, no, <laughs> hopefully you'll enjoy this movie more than we did that one. Hey, Zach, should we give a quick uh, where they can find us? Yes. I'm Zach. You can find me on the website middle of the... I really thought you were just going to end that with I'm Zach. <laughs> I'm Groot. You can find me on middleofrow.com where all of our writing goes. And you can find me on Twitter at Zach Oldenburg. No K. Just C. K. I am Lauren Heimbaugh. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Beware of Trees and our group Middle, it's just middle of row. No the. <laughs> hashtag no the. Hashtag no the. Yes, hashtag no the. I started that, by the way. And I'm I'm Ben. <laughs> uh, ben Grigsby. You can find me. Uh, I changed my Twitter handle. It'll be the only time, I swear. Uh, at the, the third Grigsby time. Bear. It can't be the only the third to only time. This is your third one. Well, okay. Well, the first one wasn't the my only fault, time people right? know of. Way to call him out, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> It's all good. Say it again, I'm ben. At, at the Grigsby Bear, because I am the Grigsby Bear. <laughs> uh, uh, and you can, don't we have a Tumblr, too? You can follow us at mm-hmm. the 
middle of row tumbler. We swear it exists. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one taking control of it because no one else knows about it. It seems like, but um, I'm Jonathan Rahul. Um, you can find me at on Twitter on at another Rahul J, and the J is just the letter; it's not spelled out. Um, and you can also follow us on Facebook, uh, where you'll get notifications every time we post a review, whether it is a movie. Uh, a TV show, uh, album, or a video game. We just had our first video game, we or a book, read. or yeah, we're we're <laughs> and, and our podcast shows up there. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and you'll get notifications for our podcast. Okay, thanks, thanks everyone, guys. and remember, the best seats are in the middle of the row. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>